Hello and welcome to The Long Short, a new podcast brought to you by AIMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, focusing on the very latest insights on hedge funds and private credit. My name is Drew Nicholl. AIMA is the global representative for the alternative investment industry, with around 2,000 corporate members spread across 60 countries. Of these, our fund manager members account for approximately $2.5 trillion in hedge fund and private credit assets. Each weekly episode of The Long Short will examine topical areas of interest from across the alternative investment universe with news, views and analysis delivered by AIMA's global team, as well as a host of industry experts. So whether you are a hedge fund or private credit industry veteran, a student of the industry, or just someone interested in learning more about hedge funds and private credit, this podcast will be your ideal companion to help navigate you through the long and short of this fascinating industry. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of The Long Short. I'm thrilled to say that this week's episode comes to you from Barmy, Singapore, where I've joined some of AIMA's APAC team for the Singapore Annual Forum, which is taking place in person for the first time since 2019. This is my first time back in Asia since February 2020, when I found out that the conference I was attending in Tokyo was cancelled as I was on my way to the airport. But I decided to go anyway because I'd already booked my hotel and I couldn't bear missing the opportunity to visit this part of the world again. And the good vibes continue here in London, not quite as balmy as where today's guests and Drew are in Singapore. But the sun is shining and it looks like we're going to have a lovely day here. So Drew, after a foray into hosting this event virtually last year, Amos Singapore is... Well, it's back in person. Um, We are recording this episode the day before the event, which takes place in a beautiful Sofitel Hotel on the 21st of April. And we've managed to secure an exclusive interview with our two co-chairs of the event. Natalie Curtis is a partner at Herbert Smith Freehills, and Thomas Scott Barton is the Chief Operating Officer at Trovio Group. And we'll be hearing their insights on the key trends of the alternative investment industry across the APAC region and how that's guided the discussion topics for this year's annual forum. And in part two, we will sit down with our colleagues in APAC to hear more about their tireless efforts to support our members in the region and get the inside track on what they're working on right now. But first, Natalie and Thomas, welcome to The Long Short. Thanks, Drew. Great to be here. So I don't know about you guys, but this will be the first large in-person event I've been to in about two years. How does it feel for you guys, obviously, leading on this and, and meeting colleagues and friends face to face again? Yeah, I think it feels great to be back in person again. I think everyone had the same Zoom fatigue um, across the globe, really. And it's just great to be back out in person um, and to build those relationships, which you don't build the same over Zoom. Um, you know, I don't think they've developed any virtual party buses yet, but um, you definitely build a lot more um, personable relationships. And when you build those, everything generally becomes a bit more collaborative and it's great for the industry as a result. I agree with Tom. And and I think as well, you know, it just feels um, like we're turning a corner, being able to actually see people in person. And when you catch up to, um, with people, we've got something to be able to talk about because otherwise just, you know, being at home, <laughs> working from home, socialising at home. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm really excited. 
I don't know. I think that virtual party bus sounds quite uh, sounds quite attractive, actually. But um, no, Tom, like totally get it. Uh, the in person meeting, uh, just having that connection with people and being comfortable to do so, it's a it's it's a great uh, milestone, as, as you say, Natalie. As we go through COVID and and, and hopefully um, look to better times, um, and in normal times, of course, hedge fund managers in APAC would be used to regularly traveling across the region and indeed across the world to meet investors and service providers and and their other clients. As we all know too well, this came to an abrupt halt in the fourth quarter of 2019. You know, COVID is far from over. Some travel has resumed. So, Tom, how important is it for fund managers like yourself, and, and I'm thinking also particularly emerging fund managers looking to forge new business relationships, to be able to get away from their desks and, and meet clients and prospects? Yeah, um, travel is clearly very important um, for us managers to meet investors and, and really build those relationships in person. Um, I think some managers were definitely impacted more than others, and there were some winners and losers um, from the, the lack of travel created by the pandemic. Um, I think generally the more household names that already had a lot of investor relationships um, and could scale them, you know, it was quite easy for them to build on those. Um, whereas there's the smaller Asia focused managers were the ones that really got hurt the most um, with the lack of travel, you know, without that footfall of investors coming through the region, like they used to be capital dried up into these managers. And it was very hard to build new relationships um, and, you know, finalizing tickets over Zoom calls definitely in the first year was almost impossible. Um, I think as time went on, allocators did become a little bit more comfortable to it, um, maybe leveraging, you know, platforms that would provide some ODD on the ground for them. Um, but yeah, great to have travel back and to get back to building those in-person relationships with allocators again. Um, and the irony, of course, Tom, is that during this period, managers in the APAC region have done well, you know, and not being able to get out, those managers not being able to get out, investors really was a challenge. But, you know, hopefully with travel opening up and the value proposition for alternatives being stronger than in, in many years, you know, uh, there should be an opportunity um, for for manager and investor to meet. And hopefully, you know, that industry then will will start to, to flourish again in the region and globally. Um, and Natalie, I guess the question to you then, events like the Singapore Forum, you know, has been the first um, um, for AMA, you know, for several years in the region. You know, how important is, is, is events like that to act as a magnet for the industry to come together in one place, you know, and have that knowledge sharing in person? Yeah, look, I think it's really important because we are um, seeing you know, very common themes, particularly from a, a regulatory perspective. Um, and without these forums where we can get everybody in the same room, whether it's, you know, sort of the hedge fund managers themselves or the, you know, the policy, the regulatory bodies, the professional advisors, everyone is having to tackle these issues in a very siloed way. Um, and, you know, I think we really sort of benefit from uh, getting all the different sort of perspectives and, you know, having some, great you know panelists and that providing their their insights and 
you know, when we're sort of in a in a, a virtual um, mode of communication, it, it is more sort of one on one, you know, bilateral, um, and you just don't get all of that sort of you know full perspective on on things. So I think you know, events like the Singapore Forum um, are really really important. Um, great that we can sort of you know do that in in person and and really have those sort of meaningful uh, conversations and and that and sort of um you know share, share our, our insights and you know particularly on all of these you know these these key sort of you know regulatory themes and and just to dwell on that for a second you know as i mentioned in the intro uh, you both have kindly stepped up to help lead on this event and and so when we were putting together the agenda and and you were sort of casting your eye around the region and and singapore what what did you see as sort of the key themes that really guided the, the key talking points for the event. Uh, you, you mentioned regulation there, which is obviously hugely important, but only one aspect of sort of the, the complex tapestry of, of challenges that are out there. Yeah, I, I guess um, since the last in-person event, definitely the focus points have changed a, a lot. Um, topics that were there in the past um, have come a lot more to the forefront Um particularly in regards to ESG um, and the focus um, on you know, everything related to ESG is a lot more, um, you know, in the forefront of managers' minds to develop initiatives around that, um, as well as other asset classes that have come into the more institutional um, viewpoint, at digital assets being one of them. Um, so I... I know there's a, a, few, a few panels around that. Um, and the other one is around the tax structuring and structuring of funds. Um, there's been a new Singapore fund structure in the BCC that's come in the last two years. Um, and as a result of the new asset classes, there's potentially also changes in the tax structuring of, of different vehicles as well. So, um, yeah, everything from regulation, ESG, digital assets um, and tax is kind of what I'm expecting to see on the panels tomorrow. Um, and the agenda for this for the forum, as you say, is wide ranging. It'd be interesting to hear more about the the new fund structure in Singapore. Um, but you know, as you've mentioned, ESG you know has very much come to the fore um, over the last couple of years, and it'd be good to hear um, further thoughts um, as to how managers are meeting the expectation of investors and I guess policymakers as well in terms of developing solutions um, around that. But also um, what I read about and hear about is the, you know, the explosion of interest around crypto and digital assets, particularly in APAC. And then you got private credit and, 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 and plenty more as well in the forum. Um, is there one panel that you're most keen to hear from, uh, Natalie? Yeah, look, I mean, all of the panels look look really interesting, but I think there's actually two that, that stand out for me. And they're the two topics, I think, that have, have been mentioned, um, ESG and, and digital assets. So, you know, at ESG, uh, in relation to ESG, we're seeing, um, you know, various initiatives and in, in various jurisdictions. And like digital assets, this is sort of one of those topics that transcends borders. And so, um, you know, we're always sort of looking to see, you know, the developments in, in other jurisdictions. And I think, you know, 
we just saw the International Sustainability Standards Board publish its um, sort of general requirements for for disclosure. Um, And so there's a lot sort of happening at at that global level. It'll be really interesting to sort of, you know, just see how the managers on on the ground are are tackling all of this. I think it's, you know, a... um, there's a lot of uh, of different angles to to look at it. Whether it's you know sort of looking at disclosure, whether it's looking at decision making, it's looking at you know sort of processes and internal controls, and then bearing in mind things like greenwashing and and that as as well. Um, I know the securities regulators are, are looking at carbon markets sort of later this year as uh, a topic of, of of focus too. So lots going on there, and then I think you know digital assets. Um, you know, apart from um, being a financial services regulatory lawyer, um, like, you know, many others in, in this practice area now, you know, fintech is an increasing sort of focus in, in digital assets. So um, looking forward to, to seeing the, the panel, um, you know, tackle some of the, the key issues such as, you know, fragmentation, um, but also sort of identifying, you know, what some of those those opportunities are in, in this space. I have to admit that panel definitely caught my eye as well, and I'm, I'm hoping I'll be able to sit in on all of them. But if I if I can only make time for one, that'll, that'll probably be mine. I just looking through the through the agenda, and obviously you had no shortage of industry leaders to pick from in Singapore when you're uh, when you were putting this panel together. And I, I think often we we talk about APAC in the round, but but obviously there is huge diversity across the markets within the region. But if you're able to sort of generalise somewhat, how is the interest in digital assets developing among APAC managers and investors at the moment? And, and how would you maybe compare that to other regions such as North America, for example? Uh, Tom? Well, I, I guess currently I'm working within the digital asset space. Um, so perhaps I feel it happening more than it actually is. Um, but I guess since moving into this space over a year ago, um, Almost on a weekly basis, I have prior contacts from the traditional asset space reaching out to me and um, having been crypto pilled, as, as the term is in the industry, um, and wanting to collaborate um, more on, on everything to do with digital assets and, and how we can grow it within the region. Um, and that's what I find great about the industry is, is that in these new frontier markets, people are willing to share um, and sort of help educate each other on the the new initiatives and um, strategies that may be out there. Um, so yeah, I find, I find it definitely a very interesting space, particularly in Singapore. That's really interesting, actually. Just, so just to follow up on that, would you say that interest from traditional hedge funds is an increasing trend in the industry? Obviously, if you, if you go back not too long ago, digital assets and, and those that were in the space, it seemed very distinct. And I know from our own research uh, with some of our, our partners, we've seen that blurring has started to occur. But it's interesting to hear from you that you're saying that that's, that's a feature in APAC as well. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I think it, it's across the whole um, hedge fund market, really, but from you know, the, the bigger names that are out there, obviously being clearly vocal about their interest in the space. Um, and you see a lot of new and upcoming managers um, setting up in that space as well, whether they're spin out from those larger funds or, or setting up on, on their own basis. Um, and, and it just makes the the, ta- the, um, the battle for talent super difficult as well because um, because of the returns these funds are generating, 
it's very hard for the traditional asset space to compete. Um, and that's, you know, hence what I touched on earlier. You, you see a lot of people from the traditional asset space coming into the, um, the more digital asset space for that reason. It would certainly be good to get insights um, from from the delegates um, at the forum. Um, and, and Drew, it's great that you're out there um, and for the event. You know, AMA will be publishing um, the next of its digital asset reports, uh, 2022 annual report, um, in early June. Um, and certainly the APAC region has got a lot to say in terms of influence and and growth globally across crypto assets in the digital space. Um, just a, another um, publication uh, that AMA puts out each quarter is our Hedge Fund Confidence Index, um, and that polls fund managers on their confidence um, in, or in in the economic confidence for the coming 12 months. So what are their prospects when I think about the economic confidence of the business over the coming 12 months? And we found um, in our Q1 uh, Confidence Index we found that APAC-based fund managers were the second most confident region globally, ahead of EMEA and North American fund managers. Question to you both. Um, does that chime with what you're hearing from you know, managers on the ground or just general environment um, in APAC? Who wants to take that first? Tom? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess it's hard for me to comment on the other regions. Um, I, I I found that a little bit surprising, to be honest with you. And the reason I could think of was Singapore, I feel, that has weathered the, the pandemic relatively well, I think, um, in the most part. Um, and also the, the local regulators have also been um, really on the front foot at, at helping funds manage the pandemic, whether it's through um, employment initiatives or, or grants, Um and sort of helping them through that period. Um, in addition to, you know, as I touched on earlier, the, the new fund structures that, um, such as the BCC that has come into the region, um, it all seems to be, um, you know, coming together in, in some form, you know, on a regulatory basis and just a general um, environmental basis in Singapore at the moment. Um, so I guess that's, those are the main reasons that I can think of. Maybe Natalie has a bit more insight than me over the, Global, global regions. Yeah, look, I, I think Tom in in many jurisdictions when we're talking to our clients, um, you know, I think everyone sort of came into the start of the pandemic with a bit of a doomsday scenario outlook. Um, you know, we weren't quite sure what was ahead of us, and you know, despite COVID, despite obviously what's happening in in, in Ukraine now and inflation and, and that. And there's so many reasons to, to be down on, on things, but yet, you know, we are seeing, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of positives, um, a huge amount of, of innovation um, and, and opportunities and, you know, those that are, um, are able to take advantage of, of that are obviously, um, you know, doing so. And, it surprises me actually that you know we are sort of seeing this continued sort of you know high levels of, of, of confidence in that but it, in a way it's just almost reflective of there being high levels of resilience so you know i, I think that's possibly the, the driver of it and um you know we're seeing that across a number of, of, of jurisdictions so for the confidence index read resilience index and apac being the second most resilient 
region and fund managers in the collective globally perhaps that's the um that's the that's the better reflection of how things are um you know certainly um singapore from what i hear from you both today is in rude health um and it'd be great to hear more um about that um uh, as we get insights from delegates at the forum tomorrow so I think we just have time. Is there any uh, closing remarks on uh, anything that you're you're hoping to see from tomorrow specifically? As I say, it's uh, it's a jam packed day of events. Um, but any closing thoughts? Um, I'm just very excited to be back in person, as, as we spoke before, uh, seeing some faces again that I haven't seen for you know a couple of years. Um, and yeah, looking forward to um, you know the event and, and, and all the panellists, um, what they present. Yeah, to, to echo Tom, um, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's going to be a great event and, you know, big thanks to the, the AIMA team. I know how much goes into organising these things and I'm sure everyone is really grateful to be able to be brought back to together again and, uh, uh, you know, catching up with, um, with, with colleagues and, and peers and um, the rest of the industry. Well, I know that I am certainly looking forward to it, to sort of doing my, my first round of, of AIMA events in APAC and uh, meeting so many of the people that I've been, been speaking to over the past year, but have never actually put a face to a name in, in real life, at least. So uh, I'll certainly be there. And I know that the team are there at the moment setting up and um, preparing for, for a full day of events. But all that's left is for me to thank you very much for giving up your time um, as you say, I'm sure that the event will be a huge success. And for anyone that is unable to attend, AIMA will be putting out some written content on the key takeaways. So, so do make sure to check out that and some of our other content as well that will reflect some of the uh, discussions that will be had tomorrow. So thank you both so much for your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks. The AMA Next Generation Manager Forum 2022 returns in person for its ninth year on Thursday the 26th of May at the Sofitel London St. James Hotel. The forum provides a platform for the exchange of ideas and the development of peer networking for senior individuals at emerging alternative asset management businesses. Throughout the afternoon, discussions will focus on how to keep on top of regulatory requirements, digitalization to streamline and costs, asset raising, and speakers will share practical ideas and guidance on how to successfully start and manage an alternative asset management firm. Register today on the AMA website to hear the discussions, network with peers, and to join the evening drinks reception. We hope to see you there. And I'm delighted to say that we are joined by um, our colleague at AMA, Kersheng Lee, um, who's the co-head of AMA APAC and also based out of Singapore. Um, as well as being the Deputy Global Head of Government Affairs at AMA. Um, thanks for taking the time to speak to us this morning, Kersheng. Thanks, John, and uh, thanks for having me. Um, so you uh, no doubt are basking in the glory of a, a very successful return to the in-person event in Singapore with the, uh, the annual AMA Singapore event taking place yesterday. Um, I gather it was the biggest crowd you've had, um, you know, for, for many a year and there was great energy in the room. So there was lots of people who were clearly happy to be out and speaking again um, and, and where they can do, you know, networking, you know, in, in a safe environment. What were your key takeaways uh, from the event? 
Tom, that's that's so right. I think you could really feel in the air that strong sense of resurgence, optimism, and, and rapid growth. Uh, I, totally right when you said you know people really glad to be back in person, uh, being able to connect and and, and see each other. Uh, uh, really press flash, if you like. Uh, I, I think what what came out of the conference, uh, many of us are basking in the afterglow of it. Uh, very strong sense of confidence that the best is yet to be uh, for our industry in in Singapore and in a wider region. We covered a wide range of topics across our waterfront. I think uh, from the latest uh, insights around ESG to uh, private credit, uh, digital markets, as well as how the pandemic has impacted industry and the future outlook. So plenty that we covered. Uh, so. For me, anyway, I think there, there were two themes that sort of emerged that uh, that were very striking. One of which is very, very strong sense of people looking beyond the pandemic and asking themselves, where are the opportunities? What are the challenges? And I think it's fair to say the industry is really coming out of the pandemic much stronger and more capable than ever before. So I think that, that was the very first point, really looking beyond the pandemic. I think the second one is this sense that... Um, there's a lot of strong uh, flows and connectivity across the region. The industry is poised for rapid growth. And um, I think there are two, two things that really emerge from all that, one of which is private credit, and the other one is digital asset, which we can probably come, and come on to talk about in more detail. Oh, that, that's, uh, you know, that does um, resonate with the events that we've held both in the virtual space and, and now, as you say, in the room. So, uh, yeah, no, no great surprises there in terms of them being the leading themes. Um, but, you know, interesting to, to see that, you know, we're all um, uh, still very much um, uh, interested in the areas around digital assets and private credit. I know, Drew, you were also there at the event and um, you've got some insights about the, um, the 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 feelings around private credit in Singapore and the region, right? Absolutely, and and I was just as I say, I you know we we hear a lot about private credit, and obviously we live and breathe it here at AMA as part of our alternative credit council. But it really was interesting to get the perspective from APAC in terms of how much uh, enthusiasm for this particular. Uh, aspect of the of the private markets industry you know we we heard private credit come up as part of our keynote uh, where we had a, a representative from the monetary authority of singapore we had private credit come up again on the investor panel and and just sort of throughout the day really and it was just it, it's 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 maybe you know you sort of you expect it with esg you expect it with digital assets but for me as i say private credit and and sort of the uh, the rise of hybrid again, you know, it's something that's quite familiar to us here. But um, just hearing it again from this different regional view was so so regularly put forward as the future, and this needs to be versatile. This need to be able to uh, service investor demand for both public and private markets, and it it really uh, being the future of the industry. And I just found that such an interesting viewpoint because it just it it seems so certain here whereas uh maybe other people have have been a bit behind on that but but uh but the panelists here were united i thought but it was to say kasheng maybe maybe you maybe you agree yeah i i think drew that's that's totally right i i think uh it was very interesting as as as, as you know 
we were going through the conference yesterday, it struck me how AIM was actually well placed to ride this, you know, <laughs> the waves of the future. Because you're right, I think the MAS, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, the MAS is the central bank and markets regulator in Singapore. Uh, I think private credit and digital assets came through very strongly in the opening address that was provided by the MAS. And uh, likewise, as Drew said, um, the investor panel that we had uh, identified both areas as very strong sources of growth. And uh, again, those are two areas where AMA is, you know, right at the uh, vanguard in terms of leading the charge. Uh, private credit through our ACC affiliate, as well as digital assets. Um, we got a massive working group around that digital assets working group. And actually, next week we're launching our guide for institutional custody in this area, which is a very hot topic that I'm aware the MES is looking at closely. So it's the SFC, uh, the Japan FSA, and the ASIC uh, in Australia. So. Uh, again, back to what I said at the outset, very strong sense of connectivity across the region. So it's not even though it's a Singapore forum, we had strong participation from attendees across the region. I'm very privileged to have our colleague, Michael Head from Hong Kong, Michael Buger, join us as well, notwithstanding he has to bite a seven-day quarantine on his way back. So, And we're also very happy to have you join us in person, Drew. Uh, so I think it really showed AMA at our very best. Uh, we are local. We're where rightfully we are with all the nuances and sensitivities around that, but we are global at the same time in terms of outlook and connectivity. And um, Kersheng, uh, we had earlier on in the podcast, we had Natalie Curtis, you know, who was the co-chair of the forum. Natalie, of course, being a partner at Herbert Smith Freehills. Um, and she mentioned the exciting developments around the VCC fund structure in Singapore. Now, for those listeners who are not as up to speed um, with this uh, relatively new onshore fund structure, could you describe this a little bit more? Um, and uh, what distinguishes this fund structure, say, from you know the Cayman offshore fund vehicle? Yeah, it's absolutely a hot topic uh, in Singapore uh, and across region. And it's a trend that you know many of us in industry would call onshoreization, which is traditionally the fund manager is located in an onshore domicile. So Singapore, Hong Kong, London, New York, for that matter. But a fund vehicle, which is the commingled vehicle that pulls together investors' monies, are typically located offshore. So Cayman or some other favorite uh, sunny island uh, of your choice. But the trend increasingly, and there are many jurisdictions that are capitalizing on, on this trend, which is to try to bring the fund structure onshore. So you have the fund structure and the fund manager both co-located in the same jurisdiction. Obviously, you're going to see hopefully some synergies by being in the same time zone, uh, by being subject to one set of regulation or maybe fewer fewer overlapping regulatory systems. So that's 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 really the holy grail, being able to put everything maybe in one place. So Singapore obviously uh, has been riding this wave. Uh, it launched its VCC fund vehicle uh, in early 2020, just before the pandemic. So notwithstanding, it was launched... Uh, uh, at a height at the start of the pandemic, and we have been very much working from home and you know went through various lockdowns. The VCC has actually enjoyed quite a, should we say, a successful uh, 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 launch uh, since 2020. I think there are over mm. 300 plus uh, VCCs uh, registered already to date, of which about 20% uh, report some form of hedge fund or private fund strategies. So that's actually quite a, a phenomenal uh, success, I would say. And uh, so the big thing that we're looking at is really the next generation of VCC, which is VCC 2.0, uh, 
which is something MAS is working closely with AMA and the industry. And was there a sense, um, Kersheng, uh, from the event that uh, that the launch environment is is in good shape? Um, you know, in Singapore and in APAC um, more generally. Um, you know, I refer to and we talked a little bit um, with, with Thomas and with Natalie about the hedge fund confidence index pointing to the APAC region being the second most confident when, when they think about the economic prospects of the business over the coming 12 months. Was there a sense in the room at the event, uh, you know, reflecting that level of confidence? And were we hearing from prime brokers about you know, new funds being launched or being in the pipeline to launch? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a strong uh, pipeline of inflows and fundraising in Singapore. I think reflecting the fact the Asia-Pac region is uh, continues to be the fastest engine of growth anywhere in the world. Um, the rising expansion of the middle class and uh, increasing pool of savings, for example. So the answer to that question is absolutely yes. I think uh, if you just look at other indices, uh, rentals in Singapore are rising uh, very rapidly. Uh, so it's a uh, massive scramble for school places, for example, among other things, which points to a very healthy uh, uh, next 12 or 24 months in terms of economic expansion. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed, yeah. And, and Kasheng, obviously you are here day in, day out and, and maybe, uh, you know, understand the the, the confidence and, and, and why that is coming through in APAC more broadly. But, but just to focus on Sim- Singapore specifically, what I found from speaking to people yesterday was the huge confidence in Singapore specifically in uh, the fact that it is being so... Uh, forthcoming in terms of working with the regulators and I know you personally are are very closely uh, linked to a lot of that work but you know when it came to ESG Singapore was talking about how it was going to be a leader in ESG and when it came to digital assets it's talking about being the regional hub for digital assets and there's this you know when you talk about you know uh, more cultural aspects and and the movement of talent across APAC Mm. and globally Singapore just seems to be this real magnet at the moment and and that was something that just came through really loud and clear uh in a way that i i have never heard before for a particular region is, is that is that is that new am, am i just a newcomer to that or is is that something that's been there for a while no i, th- I think you've got a finger on a pulse uh drew uh it, in, in a sense that it, it it's sort of a it, it's a trend that started many, many many years ago but it's obviously gathering uh steam as, as you go ahead and i think there are a couple of trends to point to that or, or that that support that uh, or, or fortify that, if, if I could put it that way. One of which is, I think Singapore's uh, geogra- geographical location, actually right smack in the middle of Asia Pac, uh, is at the crossroads of, uh, you know, definitely before COVID and hopefully with, with the recovery out of COVID in, in a very busy area where there's very good flight connectivity, uh, maritime traffic uh, is seen as the center of many trade routes across the region. And as I said earlier, it's a right smack in the center of a fast-growing economic region. And I think as, as, as Singapore being a city-state, it plays an important role as an honest broker and a neutral platform uh, for different countries or different uh, businesses to do business. I think that's, that's one thing that we should uh, recognize. The other thing that's interesting about Singapore is that aside from finance, Singapore is a very strong hub for technology firms. So most of the big, big technology firms, whether they're American or Chinese, uh, most of them have the Asia-Pacific headquarters 
in Singapore. And this is very interesting because a number of our managers have said one of the reasons why they cited their offices in Singapore and expanding is also to harness some of the technology talent. So there's a bit of an arms race or space race going on, if you like, uh, just in terms of being able to hire some of the talent. So a lot of our man managers in Singapore competing with the likes of Google and, and Facebook to harness some of the talent. So many, many good reasons to be in Singapore. Uh, and and as, as you can attest in your uh, past week in Singapore, I think Drew, Singapore offers a good quality of life. Uh, it's great food. Uh, climate is not too shabby. It's a summer all year round. So uh, plenty of good reasons to be here. And uh, very uh, interesting that you bring up that point, Kershane, because we had um, Bill Kelly, the CEO of Kaya, and we had Keith Black at the FTP Institute, which is an affiliate of Kaya, which looks at um, trying to educate people um, from the finance world about all things quantitative and then quantitative folk, trying to have them understand um, a little bit more about finance. But one of the trends that they found already in this finance data professional qualification is that the majority of candidates are from the APAC region. And so they were saying that, you know, there is that tapping into that knowledge base, tapping into that uh, profile of person that is more quantitatively minded. So it's interesting that you say that you've got that technology hub that's almost taking place or has been there for many years, and, and now is the optimum time for that talent now to come into the industry. And you, we, we would expect great strides then, I guess, across the APAC region where it comes to new and innovative uh, maybe funds or, or, or fintech emerging from APAC. 100% right on, uh, Tom. I totally concur with your assessment. I think uh, increasingly many of our members uh, we'll be looking at digital assets, digitalization, whether it's part of an ancillary strategy or, you know, trying to integrate a core strategy. And again, technology drives many aspects of our business uh, across the front of the house, the middle and back offices. But increasingly, I think managers see technology as a strategic competitive advantage. So uh, it could be the use of artificial intelligence to drive investment decision-making process. So we see, we're seeing a lot of that. Being in Singapore, being close to the engineering research hubs of the likes of uh, TikTok, uh, Google, Facebook, Netflix, Twitter, they're all in Singapore and massive and growing rapidly by the day. I think and it's, it's something a plus. And you're also seeing as well, I, I guess, that, that explosion of growth when it comes to digital assets as well in, in the APAC region, right? That has been a big hub of activity there too. Correct. Correct. So, Kesheng, as I say, we, we are almost nervous about asking this question when it comes to events. And obviously, we were thrilled to have people in person for the first time in, in several years yesterday. And, and we hope that this is... Uh, the beginning of the the tail end of of the covid pandemic and and all the consequences of that when it comes to networking and and physically being together and and ideas sharing and all the great things that come from these events and Ama was was you know complimented many times on its ability to adapt to the uh, the digital space and I know just how hard you guys in APAC work to put on all the virtual events that that you had last year and it was you know in the hundreds but we are looking towards returning to some form of normality and when you're uh, not doing this event here I know you're planning many other key events and uh, are you able to just give us an insight into what you what you hope to put on in APAC this year? Uh, you know, all things being well. 
Sure. Um, I, I, I think the uh, pandemic has taught us a lot of useful lessons. And, and, and uh, thank you for, for giving us a shout out, Drew. Uh, we did pivot very quickly at the start of pandemic to moving a lot of our events online uh, to, uh, to a virtual format. So I think last year in 2021, we hosted uh, close to 120 events across the APAC region, and we reached over 9,000 plus live attendees. So I think the muscle memory of that, some of those useful lessons we picked up from doing all the virtual events, we'll probably uh, continue to incorporate them. So we will continue to have regular uh, uh, events or content that we can push out uh, electronically or virtually, um, and we'll, we'll definitely be inspired by what uh, uh, you guys, Tom and Drew and Katrina, you're doing for uh, this by way of a podcast. But I think there is also a strong sense that we need to move back to an in-person format. So for the rest of the year, I think the Singapore Forum is but one of many flagship conferences we host in uh, person uh, or, or, or of such nature. I think we got um, obviously our massive APAC conference anchored in Hong Kong. Uh, I think we're hopeful that it will be in a form of hybrid format. So for attendees who are able to attend in person in Hong Kong, um, they have the option of doing so, or if they're not able to get to Hong Kong, uh, they can join the proceedings virtually. So that is, is always a, a hot favorite on the calendars of many uh, of our members in the APAC region. I think we, uh, pre-COVID, we used to have over two days, uh, 700 attendees and more attending. Uh, we also have a Japan Forum. Uh, lineup uh, later part of the year. Uh, we also have the Australia Forum in Sydney. And finally, I think we have China Life, uh, which is our conference focus on China. So those are our flagship conferences uh, we have planned for the rest of 2021. Uh, well, lots to look forward then for the rest of the year. And I'm sure we'll hear from you again, Kersheng, as, the, as these projects and events develop. Um, so thank you for your time today. And Drew, uh, I, I guess, safe travels from the team here in London. And then we look forward to seeing you next week. All right, guys. Thank you for having me, Tom and Drew. Be safe. Kersheng, you were an excellent host this week. Thank you so much. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much. The Long Short was brought to you by AMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. As always, you can get the latest episodes by subscribing to The Long Short on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, or by streaming episodes directly from our website, AMA.org. Thanks for listening.